today on CityCast Madison. It's the Friday News Roundup. This week, I'm joined by CityCast Madison's Bianca Martin and Molly Stentz. Wisconsin factory farms are suing to delay enforcement of pollution rules. Local journalism helps artists collect from brown paper tickets. And no pigs allowed. Madison serves Rudy the pet pig a get-out-of-town notice. It's Friday, July 21st. I'm Dylan Brogan, and here's what Madison's talking about. It's time to scour the headlines. It's time to stay above the fray. It's time to discuss the news on the great Friday Roundup today. Hello, Bianca, CityCast Madison host. How are you this morning? Howdy, Dylan. I am doing pretty fine, pretty fine. And it's the sheriff of this here podcast, Molly Stentz. Hello, Molly. Hello, hello. Are we doing limericks now? Was that a limerick? Was that a sin queen? What, what, what was that? It was a take on the Muppet Show intro. Oh, you didn't sing it, though. Do, 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 do. <laughs> All right, Bianca, you're kicking us off with um, a farm-related story. A story I saw that could go under the radar, but could have really big impact on the quality of our state's water supply. Wisconsin's biggest industry group, Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, filed a case on behalf of the Wisconsin Dairy Alliance around limits on manure pollution. Uh, The Dairy Alliance advocates on behalf of factory farms, and they are claiming that federal law precludes state regulators from imposing environmental regulations on factory farms before they become operational, i.e. if we haven't yet polluted any waterways, you can't impose the restrictions. So it's industry trying to get around some of the regulations that have costs to them. Because if there's one thing we know about thousands and thousands of cows in a small concentrated area is that there's absolutely no poop. None. Oh, wait. Is there any evidence to support this claim that cows make poop (laughs) and the poop's got to go somewhere? Our nose has just adjusted to it. Anyone from out of state or people from out of the Midwest drive through and they're like, what is that? Roll up your windows. What I don't get about this, though, is, okay, so you can understand why the DNR would want to start regulating before the pollution starts flowing. So let's say this lawsuit is successful. I mean, they still have to follow the law, right? It's just after the fact. Well, apparently the Wisconsin Supreme Court about two years ago ruled that DNR could put conditions on these factory farms on water pollution permits. Things like the fact that farms are required to monitor their pollution levels and um, having limits on the number of animals a farm can have. Those are all things that are in effect now, but actually the the law will stay on the books, but it kind of becomes feckless or it becomes obsolete if the farm doesn't have to tell you until after they pollute it. They don't have to measure how much they're polluting until it's happening. Like that, That's the alarming part is that they're going to pollute and then after the fact they'll have to be sort of addressing it. It's addressing prevention and the DNR's authority to try to mitigate, try to prevent problems rather than clean up and address them. Yeah, exactly. Trying to get upriver (laughs) to keep it with our waterways theme. But yeah, environmental groups are ringing an alarm saying if this passes, it could really impact the amount of pollution in our waters and particularly be really disastrous for rural communities. In terms of cleanup uh, and costs, 
it's going to be a big blow to environmental protections in place now. But of course, in terms of the farmers, you know, the folks that are putting this lawsuit for the point of view is that these the regulations are curbing their growth. And it's if it's not legal, they are going to fight to try and be able to uh, not have to limit their production. I think part of the issue, too, is that the DNR, for many reasons, including political reasons, does not have a habit of denying permits. So when you want to put more than a thousand animal units and it's kind of wonky because an animal unit is not an animal, it's the DNR classifies your farm based on a metric that they have based on the size of the animal, the type of the animal, the size of the animal. Interesting. Well, so you can have a half unit if yeah. it, like a chicken's like a tenth of a unit? That's literally how they do it. <laughs> because cows create more poop than chickens do because they're bigger and they're ruminants. So that's the deal. These thousands of cows are emitting as much poop as a small city in Wisconsin. And you couldn't just come up with a city, put a city somewhere and be like, you know what? I'm going to have the town of Dillon and we're going to move 5,000 people in and we're just not going to have a sewer system. Like we're just not going to have any kind of infrastructure. That's the equivalent of what's happening in rural America with farms is that you, you have enough pollution being generated in a concentrated area because there's no infrastructure. It's rural America. So how do you control it if you don't just deny the permit, shut it down? you put limits. And one of the limits that the the DNR could impose is the number of animals, right, to restrict the total amount of pollution that's being generated. Yeah. Um, I saw from a spokesperson from an environmental law group, Midwest Environmental Advocates, she said, um, as factory farms continue to proliferate and expand, the amount of manure they produce and the potential for spills will only increase. There's, you know, the saying, don't cry over spilled milk, but I will cry over spilled milk because I am very sad about the proliferation of blue-green algae in our lakes and our water systems because I'm just so used to, like, I walk by the lakes, I just want to swim so bad. And we did these fantastic conversations about, you know, one of the major factors that feeds the blue-green algae is phosphorus. And we had these conversations, Dylan, you, you hosted those conversations, and it was about what our city is doing to deal with the phosphorus issue. And it's expensive. It takes a lot of work cleaning up phosphorus. And, um, you know, the outcome is a possible tragic loss of trout in Verona. Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues here. And we should say that farmers are facing economic realities that are forcing consolidation. I don't think it's that farmers are like, ha ha ha, let's destroy this planet. I think it's that, that it's harder and harder to make a living. So you got to get bigger and bigger and bigger for many of them. How do you balance different needs? Yeah, but there still needs to be solutions. There still needs to be solutions. Before we dive into any more news, let's take a quick break and hear what Bianca has planned for the weekend. Y'all, there is a truly special opportunity coming this month. The Harry Whitehorse International Wood Sculpture Festival is running from June 14th through the 22nd. And it's a first of its kind week-long celebration of contemporary and traditional wood sculpture and indigenous culture. 
It's named after the world-renowned Ho-Chunk sculptor and painter who lived in Monona, the late Harry Whitehorse. And it will be hosted at the iconic San Damiano Park, right on the shores of Lake Monona. The fest is inviting 12 international sculptors from countries like Peru, Germany, Ukraine, and more for a week-long artist-in-residence. And it will host demonstrations of live sculpture and Ho-Chunk arts and crafts, such as black ash basketry, porcupine quill art, and finger weaving. Plus, they've got live music and food. Plan your visit and learn more at harrywhitehorse.com festival. Kids are our future, right? And we all want to make sure that future is bright. That's why making sure that their bodies, minds, and characters are strong. Luckily, KidStrong Coming to Sun Prairie might just be the answer. KidStrong is a national franchise that uses a science-based training program that focuses on character, physical, and brain development through weekly 45-minute age-based classes. And a pair of Sun Prairie parents are opening a new KidStrong location at Prairie Lake Shopping Center. Instruction is led by world-class certified coaches, and kids are taught everything from the importance of shaking hands to how to do a pull-up correctly. And 77% of parents in the program credit KidStrong with boosting their children's self-confidence. Interested? You can call or text 608-369-8866 or visit their social media at KidStrong Sun Prairie to learn more. The program opens in the next few weeks, and you can save money by registering today. So in other news, have you all heard about the outlaw in our midst? The scofflaw hiding out in a house on the west side of Madison? I mean, this is a roundup. We got to talk outlaws and scofflaws, don't we? Yeah. (laughs) I'm talking about a pig here. A pet pig. Named Rudy. Rudy the pig. Not Rudy Giuliani. A pet pig named Rudy. Rudy's really been making the news lately. Rudy the pig is a neighborhood pet pig. He lives along the Southwest bike path, you know, over by Monroe Street. What was his crime, you may may ask? Existing, residing in the city of Madison where his presence is outlawed. There's a law in the books that says no pigs in the city. Now his owner says she didn't know. And he's lived there for more than a year with no problems. She says neighbors, they like to come visit him in his yard. They feed him little apples and zucchinis. People walk by, bike by on the bike path and stop and visit. And apparently he's become somewhat of a neighborhood sensation. And he's been dubbed (laughs) the mayor of the Southwest bike path because people like him so much. When was this pig elected to any kind of office? That's what I want to know. Elected? Why does a pig have to be elected? Well, a mayor. Oh, I gotcha. The people. The people elected a mayor. The neighbors. Does Satya Rhodes Conway know about this? <laughs> he's the he's the mayor of the bike path. So it's the people of the bike path. The citizenry, the public, have they have spoken and they love him. Well, his despotic rule <laughs> is over. Sometimes ordinances are written very legally. This one just says, you can't have a pig. That's it. He's a pig. Yeah. I mean, the problem is fame brings out the haters. So apparently someone called the city to complain. Nobody knows who, nobody knows why. Apparently the the owner says she wasn't approached, she wasn't talked to. Just all of a sudden, public health shows up and with an eviction notice after this pet pig has been living there for more than a year and apparently everybody loves him. All of a sudden, just like cops are at your door. 
saying, get out of here. For what it's worth, Rudy looks clean to me in all the photos. <laughs> I mean, they might have just cleaned him up for a photo shoot, but I don't think so. <laughs> Apparently, he's housebroken, y'all. Pigs are smart like dogs. They can be trained. So apparently this pig lives in her front porch, comes in the house, but also lives in the, you know, is, is outside in the yard for people to come visit. So yeah, it's it's kicking up quite the uh, quite the kerfuffle as to whether the ordinance can or should be changed. Maybe this one pig should be granted some sort of exemption, I guess. But I think in general, it's kind of a good idea that we don't have pigs in the city because they need a lot of space. They root around. They're not like dogs. They're very social creatures. They should be around other pigs. It's not a... What's next? Horses? Donkeys? The slippery slope fallacy, Dylan. What's next? It's going to be like gangs in New York. Not even slippery slope. It's just just going to be farm animals everywhere. like Chickens? Oh, wait. Oops. There was an article recently about how chickens are contributing to Madison having a, a worsening rat problem, and they blame chickens. <laughs> it's not like Madison is outlier among cities or anything. There's a reason why we don't have pigs everywhere. Middleton. You can have pigs in Middleton. It's like a few miles down the road. You can have pigs in Middleton. Well, they're the good neighbor city, so they're trying to do that. But it also, it can't reach 300 pounds. What's this mudslinging? Pigs should be around other pigs. They're highly social creatures. You're not allowed to do that. Don't speak for Rudy. He's got to go, though. That's why he's the mayor. People come visit. That's that's the social aspect. He's a very social creature. People love him. That's the whole point. The mayor is being ousted from office. You're trying to recall. You're trying to recall <laughs> Rudy. The only the only way around this ordinance, as I see it, is it says possession of pigs prohibited. The city is allowed to have one. <gasps> oh. Clever. So you don't want Rudy to have friends. I feel like there are going to be protests in front of my house if I say anything against this pig. But no, I'm pro-pig ordinance staying a thing. You're just a law-abiding citizen. You have never driven 26 miles an hour down Milwaukee Street. You have never possessed any illegal substance in the city of Madison because you would never break a law because none of us break laws. It's not about breaking laws. It's about getting caught. And this pig got <laughs> caught. It's about getting caught. <laughs> It's an owl. <laughs> oh, there it is. Yeah. And isn't the issue, one of them is about it, it's smell, right? And people are saying it doesn't smell. Because I know we're just talking about manure and stuff. I got to be fair if it's like we don't want manure. I'm not sure where I land on this one. You guys know I used to live on a pig farm for like two years. That was a fascinating experience. It's kind of nice to see one of them having escaped. It should be said, Rudy seems to have a pretty darn fine life in the city. He's got like toys and blankets and treats and friends. This is how chickens became legalized too. You guys know there was a Madison chicken underground here? Like people were illegally keeping chickens for a while until... It became known, and then people are like, we got to change the ordinance. And then everybody was like, yeah, we got to change the ordinance. And then they changed the ordinance. And in fact, we just doubled the amount of chickens people can have. So this is kind of how change happens, is people decide that something should be different, and they organize, and they fight for it, and they change it. It's We have a word for it. What is the word for it? Revolution. Oh, democracy. Yeah, yeah, cool. So that's all I got. We'll see what happens to Rudy. Some of us are rooting for you, Rudy. Talking about what the Madison Magazine did a great job writing about Rudy and really brought this to life. A good act of journalism and another good act of journalism today that we're talking about, and that is 
Tone Mass and getting something done for local creatives who have had trouble with this ticketing website called Brown Paper Tickets. You guys saw this story. Scott Gordon did a great job writing it up. Apparently, it's a Seattle-based company, and it's very popular. I've heard of it. I've used it. It's a very popular ticketing feature for local artists and for nonprofits, and a lot use it in town. Well, Brown Paper Tickets owes Arts and Lip Lab like $10,000, $2,000 the, to the people who just put on Dirt Camp. Atlas Improv is owed some money. And evidently, this has happened in other places in the country. The only way to make these creative people whole is for the local press to get wind of it. Oh my gosh. So basically they, a lot of musicians used this ticketing website. This was like the alternative to Ticketmaster, right? It, for smaller venues, smaller artists, people were using- I mean, sort of, yeah. And so they were selling tickets on behalf of artists and then just not passing the money on to the artists? Exactly. But like Arts and Lit Lab, they do a lot of events. I mean, $10,000, that's a lot to a nonprofit, even one that is doing so well, like Arts and Lit Lab. Scott Gordon wrote a very exhaustive article about the whole thing. But the point is, it got something done, which is, of course, after the article was published, that's when Brown Paper Tickets started contacting these artists and creatives to, to say, hey, your money's coming. Wow. Yes. Hey, shine a light, shine a light. Yeah. Do we know why this was happening? I mean, is this company going under? It seems like they're being acquired by events.com. Maybe everything is up in the air. It sounds like this company has a lot of problems and just keeping up with paying the people that are, you know, essentially their customers. And remember, they're collecting a fee in all this, too. So it's just a little discouraging because I think it is a good service for improv groups and local bands and everyone. And there really should be another alternative besides uh, one that doesn't pay you or is so bad about living up to their end of the bargain. If I knew how to code or something, I think this is a good opportunity for someone in Madison. Only we had any tech companies in Madison that could rise to the challenge. Hmm, I like it. You know, this is why local reporters are important. That's how you hold companies responsible. And it seems like in the case of brown paper tickets, it's like all over the country. And the only way that these artists actually get paid is if someone writes about it in the newspaper. And then all of a sudden, they start cutting checks. So people have been paid now? Well, as far as uh, Scott Gordon could find out that as soon as the article posted, Arts and Lit Lab and other groups were, were contacted and said, hey, we're processing your payment. So I don't know if those all went through, but we'll find out next week, maybe. Shining a light on things that might go under the radar that have real impacts on people's lives and industry. I'm all here for it. Let's wrap this up. And um, yeah, if anyone has any thoughts about Rudy the pig, I feel like that's going to be a popular one. If, should Rudy be allowed to stay? Uh, let us know at Madison at CityCast.fm. I'm on the... No, get get out of here, Rudy. You had your day for over a year. Get out of town. I want to tell just a really funny story is that the living on the pig farm, all the kids, they ride the pigs. That's fun. Let's leave on a positive note. Some people ride the pigs. <laughs> PETA will be giving a, writing you a complaint immediately. But, <laughs> all right. Bianca Martin, former pig farm occupant. <laughs> Have a good week. You too. Molly Stentz, pro pig, but don't eat them. Thanks for being here. Defender of pigs. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. Bianca Martin is your host. We're produced by Molly Stentz and me, Dylan Brogan. Our theme music is by Carl Christensen. You can also get more news delivered right to your inbox from Madison Minutes. And if you enjoyed today's show, 
why not share this podcast with John Hausbeck, who oversees animal control for public health. Tell him we're not a bore. See you back here Monday morning with more news from around the city. That'll do, Madison. That'll do.